What happened at the U23 three-on-three World Cup? What should you look for at the three-on-three America Cup next month? And what in the world is Isabel Rodriguez working on next? She joins us today to discuss it all. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin, and I'm a features writer and the A10 beat reporter for the next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we're going to talk about the U23 three on three World Cup, the three on three America Cup, and what stories coming down the pipeline for Isabel Rodriguez. Hello and happy Friday. Joining me today is contributing writer for the next, Isabel Rodriguez. And of course, she also covers women's sports for the Daily Princetonian. Starting off, I know you talked a lot about her in the Slack, but what did you see from Lexi Hall uh, at the U23 three-on-three World Cup? Hey, Natalie. Hey, everybody. Good to be back on the pod um, and always good to talk about 3x3, uh, which is slowly becoming maybe my favorite thing um, in the basketball world as it is. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, so the U S, uh, took a new squad or fairly new squad of, of folks to the U23, um, world cup that happened this past week. Um, and by this past week, I mean the week before this current week, (laughs) um, and Lexi Hull was, was one of those people. Um, she, this was her first time playing with team USA on either the three X three or five X team. Um, and this was her first major international competition as well. And she totally killed it. I mean, um, she was the top scorer out of both men's and women's, um, because they, they play at the same time, um, by over five points, uh, which in three X three is a lot. (laughs) Um, usually you're talking about margins of like two or three between top scorers. I mean, Lexi was far and away, um, far and away the the most prolific score at this event, which is the premier event for um, under 23 players um, in the world. So um, she really knocked it out of the park, um, to say the least. <laughs> um, I mean, the U.S., I think, had a couple of pretty easy matches early on, but they were in a really tough uh, qualifying group um, with Japan um, and also um, with Mongolia in there as well. Um, so it wasn't like they had a, a super easy road either, Um, and then also they had, um, a couple of injuries pop up throughout the world cup, um, that were minor, thankfully, um, no one was, was super hurt by the end of it, but I mean, it wasn't, was not an easy road. (laughs) Um, and then they obviously, uh, played France in the final France who ended up winning the world cup. Um, and so again, I mean, there, it was just not an easy road. Um, but Lexi was, was really spectacular. Um, I mean, she showed, um, an aptitude for three X three that just does not, common I think right out the gate for most players it is a different style of play it is much faster you have to react a lot quicker you have to really be on your feet um and have your head in at all times I think also there's just there's no coach um which I think people aren't really expecting but because there's no kind of outside person you're really responsible for your team 
and how you play um, at all times. So I think she really adapted to that well. Um, and I'm excited to see where she goes from here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this was her first 3x3 event? It wasn't her first, like, ever. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure she's uh, she's played in the U.S. before um, and might have even done some stuff before heading to the WNBA, but this was her first international competition mm-hmm. and her first with Team USA. And then do you think she can translate what she accomplished in the tournament into her play in the WNBA next year? God, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, I think for the Indiana Fever's sake, I think it would it was really good experience for her to have, um, especially if she's really looking to to take more of that that wing position and to really um, open up her game a little bit more. Um, one thing that I was really encouraged by was that she was not only taking those outside shots that she's pretty well known for, um, but she was also really taking advantage of of open lanes to the basket, showing some really strong drives that I don't think we see from her that often. Um, so really taking advantage of the fact that she does pull those defenses a little bit further out to the perimeter, just because you kind of have to guard her uh, from, from deep. And so seeing her actually take advantage of that um, and then be able to pull people off the dribble as well uh, was really awesome. And I think that's an evolution to her game that I'm excited to see once the Indiana Fever um, bring her back for next year. So um, yeah, I, that's one part of it that I'm really hopeful of. I think also just like, the style of 3x3 being much quicker um, will help her uh, just generally with tra- with um, decision-making and especially in transition, um, which with this fever team, I think the fact that they're so young, the fact that they can, they can really push the pace, I think that will be helpful experience as well. And then were there any other trends um, that you saw that stood out to you from the tournament as a whole? Yeah, um, so I think one interesting thing about 3x3 um, as it is, is is that some countries are really starting to treat it like a specialization, um, whereas others are kind of pulling from their 5x national teams um, or just or not really having that pipeline set up for 3x3. I think the United States is on its way to that. I think the Red Bull 3x um, events have been really successful and are really starting to uh, encourage professional players who may not have made the WNBA or don't want to go play overseas, um, giving them an opportunity to do that at home. But it's not, it's definitely not as well built up as it is in other countries. Um, I think France is a really good example of that, actually. Um, They've kept relatively the same players together um, on the 3X circuit. Um, So, um, and you could kind of see that, uh, that their, their team was a lot better gelled just because they had more time together. I mean, two of them played on the same U23 um, Nations Cup team. uh, And that happened a couple of weeks um, or the month before the World Cup. So they were coming off of that, having that team experience. Um, And I think that translated really well to the World Cup. Um, And there were a couple of other countries as well. Japan is another good example that the U.S. got to play where they just like it's the little things where you can just kind of tell that a, a group has been <laughs> playing together for a little bit longer. There's fewer miscommunications. There's just the play looks a little bit smoother. They know exactly which decisions to make when, and it's not something that you're really trying to make up for in the moment. Um, so I will be curious to see if, if the U S starts to specialize a little bit more, perhaps, um, 
you don't have uh, in the off season folks who are going to play in the five X World Cup or for the five X for the for the Olympics um, or other events throughout the year. Maybe those are separate entirely from the people who are playing in three X. Maybe we start to see some of those folks from the Red Bull competitions really make more of a splash and um, be the primary people they pull from instead of just WNBA players. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, like, the U.S. is still going to have a great chance. Um, they're still some of the best players in the world. doesn't really matter what style of basketball it is. But as other countries start to specialize more, I, it's something that's definitely on my radar is whether the U.S. responds in kind. And then were there any other players that impressed you? Any other ones that caught your eye? Uh, what else did you see? Yeah, so there were a ton of different players that really impressed me um, from a bunch of different teams. Um, so just from France, um, I think Anna Njok was, uh, she was probably the player who impressed me the most. Um, I think she had 14 points in that final round and was really just explosive from from the two-point line, which is technically the three-point line uh, distance-wise, <laughs> but it counts for two points. Um, I mean, she was just phenomenal in that final round. Um, and um, I think one thing that really set her apart, um, besides her her two-point shot, which was, was really the most consistent of anybody in that game, um, was just her ability to use her speed to her advantage. She pulled Emily Engsler off the dribble like three or four times, in a row at one point, uh, which was um, uh, honestly kind of embarrassing to watch. <laughs> but um, she, I mean, she just was was really excellent. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her. And she was one of those who was at the Nations League um, uh, for France and have won that. So it was good to see her um, come up with another win here. Um, and then also, um, uh, yeah, on France, I think the their post player. She was number 13. I can't remember her last name, but uh, she her length is like really impressive. Um, it's like similar to what you see from like Beck Allen in terms of just like her arms are so long. <laughs> um, and, and she was really able to use that to her advantage. I mean, she had multiple blocks in that game and just was really able to use um, the inside um, in a way that I don't think a lot of players are able to in 3X because it goes so quickly. You're kind of um, looking to to get kind of the shots that you that you can get, but a lot of the times, I mean, she was rolling to the basket, finding herself in the post. So yeah, she was really impressive as well. And then lastly, I think from Japan, um, I think Imori, um, she was probably the most impressive to me. Um, she was a really excellent shooting guard. Um, I think in the way that you can define it in three X. Um, and I think her perimeter shooting was really impressive and her ability to find teammates um, off of that shot um, was also pretty awesome. And coming up next, we'll talk about the upcoming 3x3 America Cup tournament and what Isabel loves about 3x3 basketball. <laughs> BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. And yes, even your women's basketball betting needs. I'm personally not someone that bets on sports. But I love that BetOnline.net offers these options for women's basketball, and it's just generally a very big deal that they offer it. And throughout the WNBA season and the WNBA playoffs, BetOnline made it easy to place a bet with just a couple of clicks. And now that it's almost time for college basketball, once again, you'll be able to use, you'll be able to bet on that as well. From women's basketball to the MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL, BetOnline.net has got you covered for odds, lines, and games. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online, 
where the game starts. So what is there to look forward to watching at the America 3x3 tournament taking place next month? What? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so the America is, is probably the premier 3x3 event in North America. Um, and it's going to happen uh, in early November. I think the date is uh, November 4th. Um, if I remember correctly. Um, and so the U.S. will have a team there. Um, it's one of their major qualifying events in terms of where they can rack up qualifying points for these other 3x3 events. Um, and the U.S. Uh, is going to join um, 12 or 11 other teams um, in the America Cup. We don't have rosters yet um, for, for the event, um, but I imagine that we'll see some familiar faces um, uh, I hope that we get to see Lexi Hull again. Um, and I, I think also, um, some other folks who played in the women's series for team USA, uh, which is like the pro level, um, uh, not under 23, but anybody can, can kind of get into that. So, um, I don't, I would not be surprised if, if we see some people that we got to see, um, and we got to see earlier this year. Um, the reason I'm excited for the America Cup is that we'll also see Team Canada again. Uh, Canada prevailed in the Women's Series. They've looked excellent all year. Um, so I'm really excited to see who they bring um, to the America Cup and, and to see that U.S. versus Canada matchup, uh, which, is, which is always super fun. Um, Puerto Rico is another one that I'm kind of excited for. They, I mean, obviously made a splash at the, at the FIBA 5X World Cup, um, but they've generally just been... Um, on the road up uh, ever since and, and, and this year in particular. So I'm excited to see who they bring as well. Um, and generally, I think it's just a really exciting event. Um, 3X is really fun to watch because it goes really fast. You never know what's going to happen. Um, a team could start off really strong and then and then kind of lose gas at the, in the middle of the match and then, then the whole environment kind of changes. Um, but because the games are only like 20 minutes long, <laughs> a lot can happen in a really short amount of time. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and that date will be uh, November 12th. Uh, or no, just kidding. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> November 3rd. Sorry, that's the date. <laughs> I'm getting my days mixed up. But um, November 3rd is when that will, will begin. A great lead-in to the start of college basketball on November 7th. Indeed. And then are you excited to watch basketball in a more convenient time zone for you? I know you've been watching basketball at all hours East Coast time between the <laughs> World Cup and then U23, 3x3 World Cup. So are you just excited to watch basketball in a convenient Eastern time zone format? Yeah, that's definitely a, a draw for me, that's for sure. <laughs> so uh, the America will be in Miami, so um, it'll be um, it'll be on Eastern time, and I can watch it throughout the day as opposed to at 7 o'clock in the morning, um, which, you know, I'm never opposed to. I'm, I'm an early riser, so it's always nice to, to get to start my day with basketball, but I'm, I'm happy not to have to wake up a little bit earlier than I would otherwise for it. Um, yeah, and this, this is going to be the second time that the event is is hosted in Miami. So it's exciting to see that um, that Miami is starting to pop up as kind of a hotbed for 3x3 um, as well. So this is, this is great, I think, all around. <laughs> and then you talked about it a little bit, but what else do you love about 
3x3 basketball and what makes it fun for you to cover? Yeah, I I mean, I think that the coolest thing to me about 3x3 is how independent it is. Um, I mentioned that there are no coaches outside of the team members themselves. I mean, there's a coach, but they're not allowed during the game um, to, to be coaching folks. So I think the decisions that people make um, are really interesting and, and it comes up with some really um, like unique types of styles of play and, and players can really experiment with things that they might not try during a 5X game. Um, and I think that's been really awesome. The other thing that I really like about it um, is, I mean, it comes down to how quickly it goes. It really forces people to make decisions really fast. Um, and again, that that usually comes up with some pretty unique <laughs> decisions for better or for worse. Um, I think it's also just a really fun experimental ground for point guards in particular. Um, Veronica Burton was was down with, with Team USA um, for the world cup. And I think like just seeing her progression over the like five or six games that, that, that team USA was able to play and her decision-making. I mean, this I think this was also her first um, major international event with the U S um, so for three X three at least. So um, it was exciting to see her take advantage of that. Um, and I, I am hopeful that it will, that it will improve kind of her pace of decision-making for the wings um, when she returns next season. Um, and I think just generally it's a, it's a great way to, to get some reps in um, and to really just push the style of play, especially because I think 5X is starting to get, you hear a lot about like pace and space and really taking advantage of, of transition. I mean, 3X is the best way to practice that. Um, you don't take the ball out of bounds. There's no pauses in between things. You just go um, straight from one play to the next. Um, I'm going to publish a, uh, a newsletter, um, right after this, um, all about the, the U23 World Cup, which includes a lot of video clips from from the event, just highlights that I found really interesting. Um, and that will frequently include plays where I'm talking specifically about the play right in the middle in between two other plays that happened um, and happened like back to back for both of the teams that are playing. So things are just going really rapidly, um, but I, I enjoy that about it. I think it makes it a lot more a lot more exciting. So that answers my next question of what's the most exciting part of watching it for you. But with the speed of it, is mm-hmm. it more difficult to keep up with um, or is it more convenient because it's um, in a 20 minute package versus something you have to sit down for two hours for? Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a draw for it um, is the fact that you can just kind of pick it up for 20 minutes and then, and then be done with it. Um, I think sometimes 5x games because they can go so long and especially with free throws and fouls and, and everything it can really drag on for a long time I mean there's fouls and free throws in in 3x but um again because they they lead right into the next play it it really doesn't slow the game down very much at all um and so you can really just watch the whole thing through um it does kind of get a little overwhelming sometimes to watch in the moment um especially if you're not used to it um you're not used to that pace of play, but it is, it's pretty easy to get used to. Um, I think also it's nice for me as a writer because <laughs> um, I can pretty easily go back and rewatch plays I found that were interesting or find plays even. Um, it's much easier to do that than scrubbing through a whole hour long, hour and a half long game to find highlights. Um, so if I'm trying to remember like, oh, I saw Lexi Hull do like a really fun like reverse layup. I don't have to scrub through <laughs> the entire first quarter um, just to find it. Um, 
because 3x games are about the length of a quarter. Um, I think that's a pretty good comp for it. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's beneficial on, on both ends, but I do see how it can be a little bit overwhelming for folks who maybe have never watched 3x before. And coming up next, we'll talk about what stories Isabel is working on now. So anyone who has seen us on Twitter or talked to us in the Slack, if there are our coworkers, knows that we're into pre-WNBA leagues. Are you working on anything related to that? Yeah, so I'm currently working on a story all about the history of women's basketball in California, um, San Francisco and LA specifically, um, because we're it's it's a it's a part of the the WBL project that we've been working on and that y'all have heard a lot about on Locked On uh, in the past couple of weeks. Um, so the WBL being the Women's Professional Basketball League, which um, ran through the 70s and early 80s, um, and um, yeah, I think that's my main focus in terms of pre-WNBA leagues right now. I'm really excited with where that story is going, and and there's a lot of really interesting and kind of dramatic stories that come out of it. I think it would make a great follow-up, personally. I think it would make a great follow-up to Showtime, um, the Showtime-era Lakers um, documentaries and, and HBO miniseries that have come out. I think there's a lot of really fascinating and interesting material out of both the California dreams and the San Francisco pioneers um, who are both part of the WBL. Um, Natalie and I have talked a lot about salaries and payers uh, players getting paid or not uh, that factors into a lot of this. So it'll be, it'll be a really exciting story, I think. Um, and then also just like um, getting to talk to, to talk to folks who experienced it firsthand has been, it's been pretty cool. And without giving too much away, I know this is going to be hard for you, but do you have a favorite fact or story or tidbit that you found in your research so far? Um, yeah. So a lot of my research has been so far has been um, about the way that the two teams were covered um, specifically. Um, so it's involved a lot of reading <laughs> old newspapers and, and really digging through the archives um, of both the LA times and the San Francisco Chronicle and, lots of other fun newspapers with fun names and, and, and all that fun stuff. So uh, one thing that I think um, has always grabbed my attention is just the kinds of language that we see used to describe these teams or the ways that ways that individual newspapers will cover them, who is just pulling from the AP versus who's going out of their way to really do a deep dive on a game or to really go talk to players and, um, I think that has been one of the most interesting parts to me is like which papers are putting what resources towards covering the WBL. And I think that that has some really interesting implications when you look at it from who's doing that with the WNBA now, who's doing that with women's college basketball right now, um, because a lot of things haven't changed, surprisingly. <laughs> so um, that I think is one aspect that I'm interested in, in talking about. And what do you love about covering these pre-WNBA leagues? Oh, man. <laughs> I think for me, just as someone who's interested in, in the history of the sport, I think just generally they're really good examples. And we can learn a lot from, from them about how the WNBA operates now and why it operates in some ways and why it doesn't do things that maybe we might, might want it to do. Um, they're a great way to learn about where that history comes from. I think also, like, 
in the context of Title IX, I mean, we've talked a lot about the 50th anniversary this year, but um, I think it's really important to talk about the legacy of Title IX just generally. Um, and so going back to these leagues is a really good way to do that, <laughs> to really examine um, the impact that it had on the first group of people that that really experienced the benefits of it. Um, so that's another aspect of it that I think is is really fascinating. And then also just like some of these leagues were offering like I think I think back to the ABL specifically, the American Basketball League, which predated the WNBA by about a year. Um, but just like using those leagues as a, an example of what was even possible for women in professional women's basketball, um, like what um, in terms of like salary and benefits and the way that the leagues were marketed um, between the ABL and the WNBA has always been really interesting to me. And I'm excited to, to look into that more um, in the coming months. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot to be learned. And I think, I think we're, we're doing a lot of really interesting work over at the next that y'all should check out. So. And what else are you working on? Yeah. Um, I just, um, I'm, I'm working on a story preempting the Princeton women's basketball season. So that will be up, uh, fairly soon, uh, over at the daily Princetonian, which is where I also do some writing. Um, and I, uh, am currently working on a story about prioritization, uh, as well as, uh, writing our daily news or not daily, our twice weekly newsletter, which is called the morning post up. Um, which is a play on words <laughs> that I hope people are getting because I worked on, uh, worked hard on it. But um, yeah, so so those two things are, are coming up um, and, and going on. And then, um, yeah, obviously the California story um, is really important to me um, that I'm, I'm hoping to get out by the end of the year, especially since we're supposed to, hopefully, fingers crossed, get news about the WNBA expansion franchises by the end of the year. So fingers crossed on that. Um, and, and hopefully, I mean, for my story's sake, it would be great to, to see it go to California, but obviously I can't, can't speak to where it, where it's actually going to go. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of the three main things that I've got my eyes on. And then obviously following EuroLeague and, and Euro Cup, uh, as well as women's basketball leagues all around, all around the, the globe. I feel like I'm kind of, uh, as the way that some people talk about women's college basketball, I'm less of a college basketball person and more of a, an international leagues person. Um, so that's, that's where I've got my eyes right now is, is EuroLeague and the other leagues about to start up. So. And where can the people find you on Twitter and read everything you write? Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Isabel Veroso 78 is my handle. Um, and I'm there pretty much all the time, <laughs> to be honest. Um, because whether I can get a story out or whether I can get you some news through Twitter, um, that's that's something that I'll try to do. Um, we broke some news about Courtney Vandersloot um, and who will not be returning um, to, to Sopron uh, in Hungary for the overseas season. She'll be staying stateside for the time being. Um, so that story is, is ongoing and very interesting. Um, so we got to, to break some news about that. Um, and yeah, you can find me also over at the next. Um, I write again our, our twice weekly newsletter, um, and as well as a number of other things. Um, and then the Daily Princetonian is where I write about all things women's sports. Um, I just had a piece about women's volleyball go live, and we'll have something about women's rugby coming up pretty soon. So um, lots of things going on <laughs> now that I think about it. 
and I can't wait to read them all. Um, to those listening or watching, come back on Monday to join Missy Heydrich and Gabrielle Lewis for an SEC breakdown and join me on Tuesday as I break down A10 Media Day. Thank you again for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022, a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey all combining into one Ultimate NBA Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro NBA Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.